assessing for the right skills and capabilities for the future and aligning with the business on their strategic workforce plans and what those things are. And then ensuring that we're providing opportunities to grow and develop for our internals that are here and then acquiring where we need to. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. And on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. Today, I have a conversation with Nick Maley. Nick is the VP of Talent Acquisition at Equinix. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to conversation today. Yeah, I am as well. Let's start out and just talk a little bit about kind of your background. Everyone has a unique story on how they got started in talent acquisition. So how did you get started in talent acquisition and maybe some of the roles that you've had leading up to your current role? Okay, sure. Well, I started off coming out of college being an activist and fighting for social justice. And so I initially went through training and joined the AFL-CIO and basically Democratic Party. And I moved around the country and worked a lot on different campaigns. I worked on a lot of living wage campaigns, actual labor organizing campaigns like UFW and strawberry workers down in Watsonville, California, which is just south of where I am. And so I worked for a while in politics, transitioned from what was then so the AFL into what was United Democratic Campaigns and identifying individuals that wanted to run for local offices and identified people for things like city council or assembly or state senate sort of offices. I met my wife actually on a campaign where she was sort of cut off. She was a sort of a, a policy aide for an elected official. And I was sort of more of a road warrior field campaign person that would organize things through the organization. What was key there was fantastic, sort of very purposeful work, but I learned a lot around marketing and identifying sort of target audiences, really building and creating messages that were core in terms of attracting the people you wanted to come out essentially to the polls. But imagine later in life, it became really being thoughtful about the marketing campaigns and initiatives and things that you would lead in order to attract people to the company. So there's lots of sort of tangible things there. So that's sort of where I started. And then at a certain point, I don't know if I ever burned out, but I transitioned into, I was in Silicon Valley into corporate America where I started leading college programs. And so 
both recruiting and developing intern and college programs. And that was sort of born out of creating college programs really for folks who are graduating from colleges to do interns in politics and wanted to learn how to run campaigns. We had a huge sort of college contingent intern program. And I really enjoyed doing that and training and showing people how to lead campaigns. And that transitioned into identifying an opportunity for a company. And the first company I've worked for in corporate America was Applied Materials in leading their sort of college program. And then I had a number of different roles in HR. I've been talent development, where I did training. I worked as HR business partner or client services. I went back. I fell in love then with HR and I went back to grad school where I studied and got a master's in basically organization development and then kind of continued down the path and worked at a number of companies, Motorola, where I had to lead to sort of West Coast recruiting activity transitioned into a software company develops like QuickBooks and TurboTax and a couple of roles there where I get to work as, again, an HR business partner and talent acquisition and sort of, I don't know, climbed, if you will, the corporate ladder into it, end up leading, if you will, the overall recruiting apparatus, transforming that organization. And then kind of came to a place where I think I was just making sort of incremental sort of changes there. And I was looking to continue to transform and Equinix, which is where I am now, I'm leading talent acquisition organization, presented itself as opportunity to transform a global talent acquisition operation. If you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about Equinix and the business, as well as your team, the scope, and whatever you're comfortable sharing about the transformation you're leading. Look, Equinix is an amazing company, Rarefied Air. I think we just announced two weeks ago, 70 straight quarters of growth. That's 20 years and it's like record-breaking in, in S&P 500. I think we have like 30 different countries and 250 different sites. Most of those are in metropolitan areas. So we are the largest sort of data center company in the world, but we also offer sort of digital services that allow you to sort of interconnect all of the your footprint, if you will, within the data center industry. We're essentially a $7 billion company. We've just announced that we'll be growing close to $8 billion by the end of next year. And then the recruiting organization is a highly distributed global organization. We probably hire about 3,500 people annually. It is highly distributed in terms of where the organization's located. Again, it's global. The hiring is fairly well distributed, about, I think, 35% in EMEA, 30% in APAC, and the rest in the US and the Ameris. So how big is the talent acquisition organization that rolls up to you? There are about 13 of us. I'm joking. I don't have the exact number, but 100, 120, somewhere in there. We have like, it's like a 80, 20 sort of split with full-time contractors. And what we'll tend to do is go up in terms of the overall number of folks on the team and come down based on what our hiring patterns look like throughout the year. We leverage a couple RPOs as partners to help us sort of augment our team throughout the year based on what we're faced with. So you mentioned a little bit about leading a transformation. So if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit about kind of what it looked like as you arrived and you and the team started on that journey kind of maybe some of the things that you've done thus far? Sure. So, well, there are a couple of things. The company is going through a transformation and starting to lean into more sort of digital services. And that puts a different kind of requirement on a recruiting organization as you're moving 
because you're essentially moving market and disrupting the market. The talent acquisition organization at the time was really organized by region and individuals were, I think, largely serving as generalists in each country. They were responsible for everything, everything from hiring technicians for data centers to hiring executives and senior leaders to support different aspects of your business, whether it have been GNA or enterprise sales and other areas. And so I would characterize it as highly efficient. You can do that, can have folks do a little bit of everything, but it becomes less effective if what you're trying to do is hire top talent in key functional areas, if you're trying to really diversify sort of your talent pipelines and population within the company over time. And so the initial transformation was sort of identifying sort of key functional areas that we wanted to develop sort of specialists in. And so we created sort of more of a functional model. At the time, we didn't have characterized sort of a robust marketing. We weren't in the consideration set for the talent that we really wanted to attract, which was critical as we were going up market and trying to attract more sort of cloud engineers as we're developing our digital services. So we developed a global marketing organization. We went from not being in the consideration set to being you know, one of the best places to work in things like Glassdoor, best places to work like through Fairy God Boss and a number of other areas. So creating our talent brand became another thing. There was no talent brand. Now we had one. There was no marketing team. And then we developed one. The other thing is we weren't really initially working with teams around sort of their workforce plans. And so there wasn't a new to career team. And so one of the things we initially did is we started new to career programs and we hired interns, we invested in them and we converted into full-time roles and we set new targets with the business that at least 20% of our hires would be coming through our new to career programs. And so that was something that we put in place. What didn't exist initially was an executive recruiting organization that could work globally and work with businesses on succession plans and also sort of work externally and identifying talent needs for the future. And so put in place a new executive recruiting team. And then I think one of the areas I'm most proud of, and of course, proud of all of those things, it was the development of our Pathways program. We recognized a couple of years back that significant competition for talent and a lot in the ecosystem wasn't sort of developing enough talent within the data center industry to work within data centers. And so we started then looking at adjacent industries and then creating pathways through which we transition folks either from adjacent industries or from the military or folks who have taken a pause in work to come and then work at Equinix. And initially it was within our data center business and helping us with more vocational areas, but it's evolved from there. And now we're working with folks that are taking a pause and work and transitioning folks to different kinds of professional roles. We're working with professional athletes who are looking at transitioning as well. And we're working also with sort of different refugee programs which has become a much bigger opportunity, I'd say, particularly in EMEA, and looking at how we can transition folks that have been impacted by things like the war or other things happening in the world and transitioning many refugees into opportunities that exist here. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing program. And so it's been a while in development. Sounds like it's picking up a tremendous amount of traction. Where are you at now as far as like kind of rough 
percentage of hires or number of hires that are coming out of that type of program. Yeah, and that pipeline. took us a couple of years to develop. So when yeah. we first introduced Pathways program, I think we hired seven people in the first year. There's a lot of enthusiasm, but we weren't really sure where to start, if I'm being frank. Like, what was the right landing spot and area and what conditions needed to be sort of in place in order to ensure that we could hire someone and they would be successful sort of hire. And so that there was a need to first identify leaders that were willing, but then there's other ancillary things you want to have in place. Training and development is a big one. And so, you know, organizations could work with that would help with the transition and that we're patient and working with us, understanding that we need to work through things internally. So external partners were key. Putting that in place was key. And then having partnership with the business on the development once they had landed there so that they would stick. And so we did spend a lot of time, and I characterize as trying to find product fit within the company. I think we had a hypothesis. I think we assumed that once we started, it would just flip the switch and it would happen. And that's not really the case. There was more trial and error in, in the opportunities and finding different landing spots and then ensuring that we had the right sort of support, if you will, infrastructure and partners in place in each of the different locations that we hired. And so that did take some time. But once we sort of landed on the things that needed to be in place, the right partners, the right kind of training in the right landing areas, it then grew. And it went from seven or 12 in the first year to several hundred in the second year. Now it makes up 43% of our hires in our operations business. I think we ended the year in excess of 600 hires, which is pretty significant when you're doing yeah. whatever it is, 3,500 a year, 3,500 hires a year, that becomes significant and will be 800 plus this year. And we've then expanded sort of the different, it's like a portfolio of solutions. So there's career transition, which has become sort of the biggest, which is looking at an HVAC engineer in the maritime industry or in hospitality after some training can be an HVAC engineer in the data center industry. And we liken that to other different kinds of technicians and things like that. But you have to make an investment in the individuals and you have to get commitment from leaders around the globe to do this and to work with partners to help on training and development around the globe. So lots of communication to make that happen and then to grow it. And that's where we started. And then we wanted to evolve into other areas. So what would be ideal locations and how would we best pipeline for people returning to work? And then what would be the right locations and landing spots or ideal places for folks that might be transitioning out of professional sports? And then we're able to then identify those areas and then start to grow sort of, if you will, a solution that we could continue to leverage to build pipeline in those areas. And once you have that, you can then begin to look at, well, where else in the company can we build similar pipelines? And so our military transition program is a great example of where we were initially seeding within operations, but then they moved in and they started seeding some of our InfoSec business areas. Sure. And then we've used them to seed opportunities that exist within HR organization and other areas. And so we've been developing each of those partnerships, channels, if you will, and broadening, if you will, that overall sort of portfolio of solutions in the pathways area. That's a great program. A lot of work goes into it, a lot of change management, a lot of education, 
a lot of marketing trial and error to get the pipelines and, and all those types of things, but it sounds like you're having tremendous success. So kudos to you. That sounds like a really high value type of program that you've developed there. Let's talk a little bit about kind of where you go from here. So as you start looking at your strategy for this year and into next year, what are some things that you and your team are looking at as you go forward? As we're evolving, there's so many things to go after and we're putting in place in the HR organization needs sort of to more tightly integrate both talent management and talent acquisition. And I think it's ensuring that, you know, no employee left behind is a way to think about it, ensuring that we're providing more development opportunities for internal folks. And I think many of us, particularly last year, were experiencing significant attrition driven by a lot of external factors, inflation, opportunities and things. But now you see businesses in a lot of areas sort of retracting, certainly in in technology. And I think it gives us the opportunity to really invest in our employees and create more development opportunities. And that's really what we're trying to do now. And so when working with the businesses is being really thoughtful about buy and build. And most of us were in significant growth. And while there still be growth for many companies, the opportunity is to be more thoughtful about that because you're not looking at that hockey stick growth. And let's be really thoughtful about our employees and providing opportunities for them. Another way to think about it is a sort of internal first providing opportunities. And then in lieu of that, what are the right development opportunities? I think more I'd characterize as strategic workforce planning as one, integrating what we're doing with talent management so that we know that we're assessing for the right skills and capabilities for the future and aligning with the business on their strategic workforce plans and what those things are. And then ensuring that we're providing opportunities to grow and develop for our internals that are here and then acquiring where we need to. And if I was being fair, I think in the last couple of years, it was, it was like, let's find solutions in how we grow the company. And I think now we have a more holistic approach. I think that's the first area. I think what needs to complement that is sort of the right technology and technology stack. And so I think we're going through and defining what our needs are now, determine sort of what are the appropriate solutions that will enable the things that we'd like to do. And so that will be a significant amount of work. And like all companies that go through this, I'm sure we're going to struggle with, is it best of breed or is it really consolidating what you have, you know, getting the best out of what you currently have in your tech stack today and, and really trying to develop that. Most companies struggle with, is it best solution versus evolving the solution that exists and how best to do that. Most of us do that because there's some financial constraint in the system which is both time and money. It's not infinite. And you have to determine really what you're going to focus on. We'll be implementing different kinds of AI technology. We already have, as many companies do, but we'll be thoughtful about sort of how we'll leverage that as we develop this and be thoughtful about what is the right sort of tech stack for us. So strategic workforce planning, I think really thoughtful about technology that we leverage to complement some of our business practices really are the, I think the two primary areas that we'll focus on. Those are great. Understand really clearly what you're going for, you know, as you develop and go that strategic workforce planning and continue to evolve the strategic value, both for the employee as well as the organization. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And we live every single day at Sage Mark in the building people's tech stack. So I really understand the nuance of understanding around like, best of breed versus optimizing what we have and where do we leverage 
spot solutions into our tech stack versus evolving current investments and where's adoption and utilization at and all of those things are what, where we live and breathe every single day here. So I, I understand and empathize with exactly what you're going through. So I got it. I'm always torn. Yeah. I love technology. <laughs> Spent a lot of time sort of into it, really doing, I think, innovative things and developing technology to complement what we did. It was fantastic, mm -hmm. but it really is time consuming and there are hits and misses like anything yeah. else. And then there's always a the question of how much time do you have to produce something to complement what you'd like to do? I would say time and also confidence. Like that's how I started StageMark. I was a TA leader, like spent all the time or whatever, but I was like continued to, those hits and misses. It seemed like the misses were piling up. So I uh, tried to develop a, a way to get the hits more often than not and reduce that risk. And now that's what I do for other TA leaders. So totally get it. The time constraint, there's so much noise, so, like so many things to do, so many things to take care of that it is a time consuming effort to get it right. So you, you're right. Last question I'll have for you. You've given some great guidance and, and shared a lot. I appreciate that. Um, anything else that you would share as a piece of advice to others in the TA profession? Maybe something that you tell your team routinely, something that somebody gave you in your career that still resonates really well, or what kind of advice would you share for others in the audience that are TA professionals? I have a couple for folks. I would say be curious and test your assumptions. I think many of us in talent acquisition tend to be results-oriented, fast to action, but we can kind of get lost in the forest. We don't know, sort of come up and sort of really ask ourselves why we're doing certain things and whether or not there's a better way and really genuinely test ourselves. The other thing is not being fearful of like just making some bold decisions. And so be willing to sort of sacrifice and endure a small bit of pain for a much bigger outcome would be the other. There was a time back when I was leading, transforming into it, where I decided to make the trade-off for a marketing organization over a sourcing organization. It was a really painful sort of trade-off, but I'd felt strongly that things were going to change pretty drastically in the market and that you could convert talent in the same way that businesses convert subscribers and consumer tech. And that if you had the right marketing organization in place, they would be better able to sort of identify the right profiles that you would hire and they would apply a more scientific approach and they would iterate on engagement and then conversion. And it did take some time was that those teams ultimately built more diverse talent pipelines for us. And ultimately it led to much faster recruiting cycles once you started to leverage those talent communities, because they were targeting the right folks with the right messages, they were highly engaged. And we, we knew at a certain point in time when they were ready to sort of consider a new opportunity. And that significantly impacted the efficiency of the overall recruiting organization. To get there, you had to kind of test your assumptions around sure. what you were used to, which was you know, you never want to let go of a source that's working with you on a roll because they're with you and they're assessing folks. But letting go of that was pretty painful. But long term, it turned out that making an investment in another area in the technology as well as professionals in marketing actually led to a better outcome for the business. The same thing happened when I think about pathways. As opposed to going out and hiring a lot of different recruiters to do different things, we started focusing really on building an ecosystem 
and working with external partners that were trusted and bringing in more sort of like program talent versus recruiters to develop. But that was the trade-off as opposed Mm -hmm. to like delivering in a traditional way on sort of your open roles. It's sort of approaching something. And, you know, look, there were times when I think we were asking ourselves, are we going to continue to put wood behind the Sarah? Is this the right way to go? You fast forward a couple of years and of course it was, but there were times early on where we questioned whether this was the right investment. It felt right. We knew intellectually it was right, but sure, Ryan, like you do when you're consulting in all kinds of technology and tech stacks, it takes time and you have to see it through. So you want to continue to be curious, test your assumptions, those tried and true methods and things that you're used to. And are you willing to be bold and see something through and persistent? I'm really proud of what the team's been able to do in the last couple of companies and some pretty significant, if not sort of truly just impactful work. And I look back on the transformation that's happened at Equinix and like the Pathways program in particular, and just couldn't be more proud of the trade-offs we took or made early on and the impact it's had. Likewise, back in days of Intuit, very similar. So. Yeah, that, that's great advice. I talk about that all the time and I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's especially in the space that we're at, in order to truly evolve and transform and have breakthrough type of improvements, you have to have the courage to do things differently, to be curious and through the process, make a strategic bet, but you got to make a bet and you have to have the courage to do something different versus incremental change of just doing more of kind of what it is that you have been doing. That's how breakthroughs happen. And it's tough going through the mud at the beginning, but comes out at the back end really well. There are things that aren't going to work. And that's the other part. And so if you're setting the right expectations up front, that's part of it for better, for worse. Well, Nick, I really enjoyed our conversation today and sharing all that that you've shared with the audience. And I know they'll appreciate it too. So thank you so much. Ryan, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Any other questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. Would love to make myself available to assist other recruiting leaders. Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. All right. All right. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.